Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Good to see everybody here worshiping with us at our 1030 service. Let me make some announcements and some thoughts by way of uh, what we're doing in our community. As you heard, uh, we have this men's time coming up. We do pray that all our men are able to make it out to that. Women, we have a women's time coming in October. You have not been left out. Amen. And so, uh, but uh, I, I just want to make a note. Uh, if you were able to be here last week, some of you were at the picnic that we had. I hope you had a great time at the barbecue. Uh, some of us made a fool of ourselves, jumping rope. Some of us ate too much food. All types of things happened there. But it was a great time. Um, one of the things that tends to happen after we have one of those moments is people are like, we got to do more of this. We need to do more barbecues. You know, we need to go roller skating. You know what we need to do? We need to just do a big electric slide in the middle of Atlantic Avenue. Like, we, just, we just need to do more activities. And what, one of the things that we, uh, as you heard uh, Pastor Josh announce, we have growth groups coming up, Right. And then we have this men's time. And those are what we call our formal systems that we create in order for people to be in community. And so we have to put a lot of effort into making sure that everybody can be involved in that, that it's well done, and that you have a great time. So because we put so much energy and thought into that, there are some things we're just not able to do on a more organic level. But guess who can? You can. I, wanna, I want you to feel empowered in this very moment that you can. Now, one of the things that, um, so I want to say two things quickly. Um, The first is any event that we do, you will know about it through our Bridge Church app. So if you haven't downloaded the Bridge Church app, you are basically saying you want to be unaware, right? Then I don't, I know you know that don't want that. So if you, so downloading it, you will become aware of everything we're doing. But I think something that we don't talk about as much is we do have, uh, there's this swanky new app called Facebook, right? And there's this thing on there uh, called our community page. And that's quite honestly where a lot of people are able to talk and communicate because our app is really more for announcements than it is for engagement and relationship. But our Bridge Church community page is a great place for someone to say, hey, I'm going roller skating. Do you want to come with me? Or, hey, uh, I know some folks had a, a prayer time over their house uh, the other day. You know, and I think that is amazing. And I think we have to do more of that because any organi- organized system we create will always have its limits. Um, there's no way we can capture everybody. But you being able to use your gifts, your time, your space, right, to be able to say, I want to invite people in to my world is something I think we all have to embrace. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't downloaded the Bridge Church app, download it today. But if you haven't been on the Bridge Church community page, all you have to do is go to Bridge Church NYC community, right? And um, yeah, Bridge Church NYC community into Facebook. If you put that into Facebook, you'll go to our other page. So we have a a Facebook page. We also have a a group page. And if you go there, uh, and I want to encourage you all not to be passive, I want to encourage you to be intentional, right? Nothing happens by chance. I want you to be intentional. So if you are saying, man, I'm by myself and I want to do something, initiate, 
right? Initiate something where you can create space for other people. That's, that leads to something I just want to pray for um, uh, before we begin the message. Uh, 1 Peter 4.10. I wonder if we can put it up on the screen. 1 Peter 4.10. It reads this way. I wonder if you guys would read it with me on three. One, two, three. As each has... So if you look at that verse on several levels, the first thing it says is each has received a gift. So that means that every one of you that has named the name of Jesus has received a gift from the Holy Spirit. But here's the part that I think we miss on. When people think about the gifts that God has given them, they think of it like a Christmas gift where they say, well, this is for me. And I get to use it, and I get to unbox it, and I get to play with it, right? God, God, Santa Claus, God thought about me and my wish list of all the things I wanted to be my whole life, and God's going to give me gifts so I can extend my dreams. And when you think about gifts that way, you are actually limiting what God is intending to do. The gifts that God gives are not for your dreams. The gifts that God gives are for his glory And his glory is maximized when you love God and love people. So then when you look in this scripture, here's what it says. He's given us, each has received a gift. Use it to what? Serve one another. The problem of gifting, the reason why there's not this explosiveness in our gifting is because we are using giftings for the sake of our own purposes and our own glory. But when gifting is understood as something to maximize others around me. In other words, gifts are less like Christmas gifts. They're more like a tool belt. And it's like, oh, I want to help fix. I want to help repair and restore and bless. And I want to be generous and give to someone else. And if you have not connected to the love of God and loving people, your gifts will always be limited. But when you decide, I love God deeply and I love people, the love of people flows from the love of God. It cannot be, I love people because people love me. You'll hate ministry. You'll hate serving. If you're waiting for thank yous and God bless yous and all appreciation, you'll never serve God to the maximum ability he's meant for you. But if you love God and then love people, your gifts will flow from your love of God. Does that make sense? Your gifts will flow. They will be unleashed when you decide, I I love God above all else, and I love people with the love of God. So we borrow his love. We borrow his patience. We borrow his kindness, and we extend it to the world. I say all this to say, as we look to create community with one another, Loving each other and building friendship is two different things. And when we have growth groups, sometimes I think people are just looking for friends. And that's very different than having brothers and sisters in Christ. Because when you come in the right attitude that I'm, like even coming here on Sunday, coming here on Sunday, I mean, do we we say, God, I want to use the gifts you've given me so I can bless the person next to me. And I want to serve somebody. I'm, I'm here not just for myself, I certainly want to be filled up. I want to hear a message. I want to worship. But I also want to overflow to the people to my left and my right. 
so that they can experience the grace and the love of God. That's why God gives us gifts, so that he might be glorified through you. And so I want to spend just a second before we get into the message. I just want to pray that the love of God would be unleashed in your life. And the caboose, what's what's attached to that is gifts. So that you would see the gifts of God explode in your life. Because God will use you beyond your imagination when you've been saturated in intimacy with him. He will use you beyond your imagination. So some of you may say, oh God, I need more gifts. I need gifts. No, no, no. But I need more love. I want to experience more of your love, and I want to offer that to people. And, and, and give me, help me do it better. That's all gifts are. I want to love people better. Change the way you pray. Change the way you pray. When you start praying those prayers, there's no telling what God will do, but we're putting gifts in front of love. And then we get bitter when people don't love us back. We forget that the guy who we serve died loving people. I want to be like Jesus, not the cross Jesus. We want to be resurrected Jesus, right? <laughs> we, love, we love the one out of the tomb, not the one that got sent to a tomb, right? We, want, we love that Jesus, post-resurrection Jesus. I want to be just like you, <laughs> not the one on the Calvary Road. So I wonder right now if I could just pray for you, and I want you to pray for yourself. And I want you to pray, as I'm praying, I want you to pray that the love of God would flow in your life like rain. And if you're on the train and you're bumping up against somebody and you've been in the rain, what happens? They get wet. They can't, it's sorry, because of this environment I've been in, you just, you're going to get some of this because of what I've been doused in. And I'm just saying, I want, I want you to start praying the love of God rain down in my life. And I want the other people to be saturated with his presence because I'm saturated in the presence of God. Would you pray that for yourself? I'm going to pray that for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, saturate us with your love. Saturate us, God. I don't want to put gifts before love. I know the gifts of God are not mine. They're yours. I know service is about you, God. So God, first, unleash the love of God in my life. Unleash the presence of God in my life. And then secondly, unleash the gifts. Help me love people better. Help people see you in me. Unleash the love of God in my life. Unleash the gifts of God in my life. Unleash them so that when people see me, they don't see just a difference. They see your glory. Like Moses coming off the mountain, they see the Shekinah glory of God and people are blown away, not by me, by your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Let's get into the word of God together. Want to mention, uh, (laughs) just want to say, as you guys know, we do have a relocation team. So we're just trying to figure all this out. So let's endure this heat in here together. Amen. All right. I just want to name that in the mighty name of Jesus. So speaking of gifts, um, you know, one of the hardest things to do with kids, it's not getting them gifts. It's getting them to share. Right. It's hard. 
Because kids, when you say, well, I got this for you, they immediately like attach like, well, this is mine, 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 mine. And everything is theirs. And then all of a sudden you're just like, well, yeah, but you know, I, I didn't mean it just so you can always have it all day. I want you to, you know, other people to have it too. Sharing is very difficult. God is generous. God could have just been God, but God wanted to share his glory. So he creates earth, he creates man. And part of God's mandate to Adam and Eve was to be like him, share more. Create more people that will be like me, made in my image, share. So Adam and Eve, he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. To Noah, as Pastor Rasul was preaching on, to Noah in Genesis chapter 9, he tells them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. So when he says be fruitful and multiply, he's obviously saying go have kids. And he's saying, I want those kids to have kids. But this last part is the part that will lead us to understanding the tragedy with the Tower of Babel. Fill the earth. Fill the earth would mean I have created not just Africa, I've created Asia, I've created Australia, I've created Europe, I've created all these different spaces. And I want you, just like I created water, and then put fish in the water, just like I created sky and put stars in the sky. I've created a land to be inhabited and I've already created it. So I want to, I want you to go and I want y'all to scatter so that people can have different lands, different types of people. What God was saying is I am most glorified in diversity. Where people have their own land, their own language, their own culture. And what is the Tower of Babel? The Tower of Babel is people saying, no, we want one nation, one government, one people. And in the Tower of Babel, what you see is hoarding, keeping, greed. Let's keep this together. We got power. Let's keep power together. Let's not spread it out to different lands. Let's keep it together. God is a God of generosity Man in his sinfulness is a hoarder. He's greedy. Keeps to himself. He wants for himself. And so what we see in Genesis is the beginning of a beautiful picture. Acts 17, Paul picks this up. He says in verse 26 of Acts 17, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. There are 6,500 languages in our world. And when you go to a different land, see, I, I speak English and I've only gone to English speaking places. And when I've not been in an English speaking place, everybody accommodated my English. And when I've been in other places, I am so nice. People are saying things I don't know what they're saying. They're eating things I don't know what they're eating. And what do I have to do when I'm a foreigner? I have to be humble because I have to learn from you. And the kind of diversity that God intended was a diversity that would always create humility. 
listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump to this already, but diversity, real diversity isn't just different complexions. It's not different colors. It's different cultures. It's when I have to learn from you because you're connected to a land and a stop. I remember we, uh, uh, when I went to Africa, you know, there, there were all the, first of all, the chickens were much smaller than our steroid-filled chickens. I mean, our chickens are like IFPP pros, like they're all steroid-filled. Those chickens are like, oh, it's like, oh, this is how chickens look. Oh, okay. And it is incredibly humbling being in a space just not knowing what's going on. When I, when I preached in Africa, I, this is incredibly embarrassing. I went there and they're preaching and the guy is preaching in Swahili. He's just preaching and I have no idea what he's saying, but it was, it was, it was his black church. Yeah, and people are responding. This man ended his sermon and he said, Akuna Matata. <laughs> and I said, excuse me? And people were like, oh, I was like, oh, snap. And so, at, so true story. I go to him and I go, when you said Akuna Matata, what does that mean to you? And he says, no worries. I thought that, I thought that was Disney. This whole time, I thought they made that up. That's a whole language. I felt like a fool. It's humbling when people have their own land, their own nation, their own culture. You have to ask questions. God rigged it that way. Because in the end, in Revelation, he says, I see every tribe. Every nation, all these languages and God's beauty. We we, we see God's beauty in different complexions, different hair, different styles, different languages. We see more of God's beauty. We see limitations when we try to just anchor it down into one. That's why in our diversity, even as a church, we long to be a place where not just we don't have a lot of different looking people. We have a lot of different thinking people because we come from different lands, different styles, different. We're different from one another, but we have unity in Christ and he is our unity. In fact, the beauty of unity in Christ is that out on the street, we would never talk to one another. In Christ, we call each other brother and sister. You know, of the disciples, literally, there's a dude that's called a zealot. He hated, he absolutely hated the Roman Empire. And then you have Matthew, a tax collector, a dude working for the Roman Empire. On the street, they're enemies. In Christ, they're apostles. And our unity does not come from all just being cool. Our unity comes from Christ and Christ alone. Could, you, could it be that the beauty of our love would be that people would walk in here and be like, wow, you guys love each other so well. And you all, yet you all are so different. That's what God has intended 
And so look, look what happens in Genesis chapter 11, verse two and three. So it says, so the people migrated from the east and they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let's make bricks, burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and, and bitumen for mortar. Verse four, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower that's top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Look, look, look at that last part. Let us make a name for ourselves because the last thing we want to do is be dispersed over the whole Now, on its face, because you're hearing terminology about heaven and you're seeing unity, on its face, this verse, if you didn't know this verse, you know, if you didn't know how the end went, you would think, oh, this is nice. Look at them. They're, they're unified. They're talking about heaven. This all seems all well and good. <clears throat> the tower there historically is understood as a ziggurat. And this tower is actually a it's this huge edifice that has steps. On the top, there's actually a bed. And the way that they're, 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 they're imagining their God walking down these steps and meeting with man. They're imagining God almost like, I was talking about Santa Claus, you know how you leave cookies out for him? And it's just like, oh, okay, let me make it for you so that you can feel comfortable with us. The bed at the top was like, if God needs to rest, We'll have a bed for him at the top. When God walks down, we'll meet him at the bottom. The tower that they're building seemingly is for God, but it's a God that looks more like man. And what they're doing is, if you notice, the first thing they say is, we'll build ourselves a city. And, 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 and you know what? The tower with its top to heaven. We want to build a city. Let's include heaven. And if you understand the problem of the Tower of Babel, the people will say, let's make a plan and let's attach God at the end. And the God that they're attaching is the God that blesses all their dreams. The God that comes down and says, what you doing over there? Okay, keep going. Keep going. You don't need to consult me. You don't need to talk to me. Just keep. Yeah. Oh, I love what you're doing. It doesn't honor me. Think about me. You didn't include me, but let me just attach myself to you. The Tower of Babel is attaching a different kind of God. And it seems <clears throat> all well and good. You know, there's unity. If you look in the text, you know one thing that you don't see in the Tower of Babel? A leader. It's not like Ziggurat said, let's all build a tower. There's no name. It's just collective. And part of our world loves unity. We love it when people come together. And it's, if you look, they're, they're building bricks. And, and this was a unique thing at the time. Seemingly, there's technological advancements. And quite honestly, that's the nature of the city. In the city, there are people who have different gifts, different talents from all over the world coming together to do things that they could not do in their own space. So you see a technological advancement. You see this sense in which everyone's coming together and they are celebrating their unity, their technology, and their advancements. And yet the problem 
with technological advancements and the depth of unity is that God has not been invited. This week, um, Rasul and Josh, our families, we ended up getting together, going to upstate New York. And um, all of the elders are friends. Steve Cantor is an elder. Josh, Rasul, we're, we're all friends. And so we, we just happened to go and go upstate New York and hang out. You have a friend, some of y'all have friend groups. Isn't it cool to be friends and have groups of friends? Isn't that nice? Isn't it fun, right? We're all friends. Isn't it weird if you had a friend group, y'all are all kicking it, we're all friends. And like, let's say there's, let's say there's three of you. But two of your friends go to like London together. And they're like taking pictures like, oh, we out here, we out here. We're unified, unified. Yeah, girl, look at us, unity. But they didn't tell you about it. How would you feel if your friends got together and went somewhere and they didn't tell you, didn't include you, and they're celebrating their unity? You feel a type of way, wouldn't you? Because you were uninvited. Is this unity when God's uninvited? Unity that has an uninvited God is actually rebellion. Because we're like, we got all these complexions. We're doing all these things. And we'll just include everyone except the God who made us. And when you look at this picture, it seems so right. And yet it is so wrong. It is so intense. And in this picture, God responds. In Genesis eleven six, 6, it says it this way. Behold, they are one people. And they have one language. And this is the only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. And again, on the surface, that seems great. Oh, anything they want to do if they're unified. And and side note, as a church, that's an incredible picture of what unity does. When we're all on the same page, there's really nothing we can't do when we include God in that. But unity that doesn't include God is rebellion. So what you see here is God saying, man, if I keep letting them do this, they will be a rebellious group. God did not want one nation to rule the entire earth. He wanted it to be many nations, many complexions, many languages. He wanted that humility and that learning to be experienced amongst a diverse group of people. Why did they do it? Go back to verse four. Come, let us build a city and a tower, and we want to make a name for ourselves. The core motivation for them, the reason why they rejected scattering, the reason why they wanted to be one people to rule the entire earth, 
which historically is a picture of colonization, actually. That's actually what colonization is. It's saying we want to be one people, rule the whole earth, and we'll separate people from land, we'll dominate the land, and we'll just destroy the people in order for us to have one group of people dominate the whole earth. To have a great name. And God says, man, we got to be careful because if people still think like that, they will rule the whole earth. and There'll be a dominant group of people. When those people said they wanted to make a name for themselves, you don't need to look in the Hebrew to understand what that means. It means the same thing today. When someone says they want a name for themselves, they're saying, I want a greater value attached to my name. That when people say my name, I want it to be associated with greatness. When people say my name, I want to be distinct. I want to be more understood. That means that all of us most likely feel that today. That even though you have a name on paper, what you're asking for is legacy, influence, distinction. And in many ways, though we are given a name, in many ways, when it comes to who we are, we're born nameless. And we want people to know, not just our name. We want people to experience our influence, our power. Our greatest desire is to connect ourselves to something greater. And this all started with Adam and Eve, because with Adam and Eve, what you saw was this incredible picture of a man and a woman fully embracing the love of God. And what is the first thing that happens when they eat of the fruit? The first emotion they feel, shame. And they go, oh, I am aware I'm naked. So if they were already naked before they ate the fruit, what happened? Before they ate the fruit, they were clothed in the love of God. And all they could experience was God's love. God's love was so powerful, they did not see their flaws. In fact, they did not see them as flaws. They just saw them as design. And the minute they eat of the fruit, now they don't, I don't see my design, I see my flaws. I see who I'm not. And now I'm comparing myself to other people. And now I feel weak, and now I feel false, and I feel them deeply. Before the fall, I was unique. After the fall, I'm weird. Before the fall, I just had these, these, these things about me that people sometimes understood, sometimes didn't. But it was cool because I knew God is the one that made me. But after the fall, I'm trying to fit in. And for every square, I'm trying to be the circle to always try to fit in. Not really realizing I have my own unique shape, my own unique design. And so oftentimes when we want to feel a depth of Love, we want it from attaching our name to something great instead of God. That's why we name drop. Mm, that's good. Huh? Oh, I was out to eat with. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I know him. Oh, I know that. I know him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We were on the subway together one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, he's very nice. We want to talk about people we know so that their greatness will drip onto us. We want to be clothed in their greatness. And that's the same thing. That I'm, just, I'm just trying to tell you that, that we all, no one is exempt of that. We all feel that tension of wanting to attach ourselves to something greater to make ourselves feel more valuable. Aristotle said it this way. When people don't feel love, they seek to be admired. We want to attach ourselves to that greatness. So in verse five, it says, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. Now I don't have time to go into depth with this, but this is a play on words in Hebrew that it, it literally shows that God came down to, to examine their little work. It's, it's written like shamefully. They built a ziggurat with steps so that God would walk down and meet them. And what he does, it says God came down. That's a play on ideas. Like, so it says God came and examined the work. Um, it's like God's in heaven. He looks down. He's like, let me go see this puny thing they've put together. And God comes down and he sees the tower that they had built. And he examines their efforts. And what it says in verse 7 It says, come, let us go down and confuse their language so that, listen, they may not understand one another's speech. Look what happens in verse 8 and 9. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth. And they left off the building of the city. And therefore, its name was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them all over the face of the earth. Last part, they filled the earth. But in order to get to that, God confused their language. And if you look in verse 8, it says they left off the building of the city. To me, this is such a wild scene. You know what God could have done? God could have came and he could have literally busted down the tower and been like, no more tower building for you. And he could have been like, my wrath is upon you today. And it could have been like a movie. (laughs) But do you know what he did? He made it so that they would not understand each other. And then he made it So that their misunderstanding was so intense that they just stopped working. And you know the scene in the Bible we don't have? We just don't have what that looked like. Because literally one day they were like, yeah, so we're going to go up there. We're going to put the ziggurat together. We're going to put the bed on top, all right? So, yo, uh, Timmy, you go put the bed up. Bobby, you go make the steps, all right? Then Tuesday they were like, blah, 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 blah. And the other person was just like, what? 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 I don't know what you're talking about. I don't get what you mean. And they got so frustrated, they stopped working together. But they didn't know God did it. God is the one that disrupted their plans. But he didn't attach their name to it. And that was not his wrath, that was his mercy. 
Because if he wanted wrath, we would have seen Noah part two, right? Okay? We just saw that a chapter ago, you know what I'm saying? Let's get this rain popping, you know what I'm saying? No. He, 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 it was an incomplete tower. So they literally couldn't understand each other, stopped working, and there was a memorial of their incomplete efforts for a great name. And if you read this right, and if you read your life right, you'll praise God for all the incomplete towers in your life. Because they were building a tower to replace the God of their life. They were building a tower of significance and a tower for a name. And when they did that, they were fully saying, I'm going to do this on my own. And God made it, though that their plans would be frustrated. And that was his mercy. And you would look at this. And it was very easy for them to most likely blame the tower. Man, the tower, man, the the tower didn't work. What do you think they did? Well, then most likely they started blaming each other. I was talking and then all of a sudden he just started talking out the side of his neck. I don't know what he's talking about. (laughs) I I literally don't know what he's talking about when when you say that. I'm, I'm saying I don't know what he's talking about. They most likely were frustrated with one another. They most likely walked away from an incomplete tower blaming others for how they were miscommunicating. There were so many misunderstandings there. There was so much confusion. And God actually graced them with confusion so they would fulfill his plan. And I just want you to just for a second to think about those moments where you were using your gifts, your time, your energy to try to make your name great. And God frustrated it. God completely caused miscommunication, broken plans, broken dreams. God got in the way. And and the nature of sanctification is God actually gives you hindsight over time. You're like, I was wilding out. Oh my gosh, God, thank you for not letting me build that tower because I was only doing that for my name. Let those incomplete towers be a memorial of God's grace. How God got in the way. God got in the way of your incomplete towers and just let me let you know, he gets in the way. Because you still are a tower building person. You still have this thing inside of you to do it your own way. When you say, well, what should I do then? To see God's plan and to see what God intends, all you have to do is go one chapter over. Because in the next chapter, in Genesis chapter 12, it says this, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Leave everything you know. Leave everything you know to the land that I will show you. Scatter, fill, go to this place. I'll show you. 
and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. In Genesis chapter 11, they say, I will make a name. In Genesis chapter, I will make a great name. In Genesis chapter 12, he says, I'll make your name great. And there's so much distance between Genesis chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 12. The moments where you found yourself praying deeply, God, what do you want from me? That is God stripping you of your pride. It is God stripping you. You feel talentless. You feel like you're wandering. God is saying, attach yourself to me. Let me make your name great. I'll use you. Let me be your highest value. Let me be your greatest love. Get your worth from me. I'll make your name great. And so what is Abram? Abram is a frail old man who he wants to have babies come from him. Abram would not be the person that none of us pick to say, go be fertile. But God picked an old, senile, infertile man to make babies because he wanted all the glory. And God chooses the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. So I want you to tell you that while you're building up your resume and you're schmoozing with people and you're networking, don't make God the attachment to your plan. Make him the priority of your plan. Because if you just try to build your skills and if you just try to make your name great, people will praise you. But you will not have God's blessing on your life. God's blessing comes from humility, from saturating in his presence. And so today, I ask that you would lay down your plans before the mighty God. Don't be, don't be, don't be, don't get caught up in the past confusion. Don't let your mind just sit on old broken plans. Love them today. Would you stand with me? Today, we come together and we want to love our God who did not just put miracles on display. That was part of his ministry. But his greatest power was exercised in his sacrifice for others. And so today, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross is how you and I are able to have intimacy with God. And as we have communion with one another, we acknowledge that we love our God for dying for our sins, but we are also called to love the brothers and love the sisters along with us. So as we take communion, it's underneath your seat if you don't see it. Take just a second to get the, uh, the so-called bread <laughs> from the top and then open up. 
the so-called wine. And as you're doing that, I want you to be reminded of what Paul said. Paul said that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he told the disciples, this is my body broken for you. He also took a cup. And in taking that cup, he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Take and drink. And he was essentially saying, I'm dying for you. The generous God dies for us, for our benefit. And today we receive that love. We receive that grace. So do not just drink a drink or eat bread. Receive the love of God and the grace of God. Be saturated in his love. And as you take the cup and the bread, you're saying, God, I want you to use me. Use me, God. Use your love. Take the bread, break it, and eat. Take the cup. The cup is the new covenant in his blood. Take and drink. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for every incomplete tower in my life. Thank you for every incomplete tower in my life. Thank you for every broken plan in my life. Thank you for all the redirection, God. And I ask you in the mighty name of Jesus, would you burn all the tower building in me? And would you be more like Abram? Make me more like Abram, God, where I attach my name to you. And I don't want to attach my name to anything that doesn't glorify you, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.